and I was lucky enough to have a mother or a, and have a mother who still said just do what makes you happy mm-hmm. and I've always been interested in psychology and so if you look at my high school yearbook it says ambition to become a, a psychologist it's <laughs> okay. actually in there but my path wasn't linear um, I definitely took a wayward path and I said I'm going to do medicine and then I'm going to do advertising and I did many things and I came back to it because it just kept drawing me in and um I I fell in love with the ability to be present in someone's pain. Yeah. It's it's really being okay with being present in in that way. In a way because a lot of times we are so uncomfortable and so we don't know what to say, yeah. and, you know, and so we just kind of run away from it. And so my job is to sit there with you in that frightening part. Welcome to the What Next podcast, hosted by Sean Reed, where we pay it forward through conversations. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey to discover what's next for you. How is your mental health today? Uh, hi. My <laughs> mental health today is actually pretty good. Um, I have, I'm feeling a lot more positive than I did maybe a week ago. So that's, uh, that's a pleasant space to be in. Feeling more positive, did you do something to try to feel more positive or does life just happened? Uh, actually, um, I, it's funny um, considering what I do and I should know better. Uh, I actually started to exercise again, which <laughs> I, I know better. I know <laughs> exercise helps, but somehow life gets in the way and you forget. And um, I re- restarted, I should say, on Monday. And of course, I mean, immense amount of physical pain <laughs> but emotionally I feel considerably better and it's only been a few days so it's a it's a enjoyable reminder mm-hmm. and also kind of like a duh you knew this like we could have been here weeks ago but I'm just grateful to be in the space now is there a so you said based on what you do which is what do you do right so I'm a psychologist mm-hmm. um, I'm an associate psychologist here in Jamaica I used to practice in Canada Uh, for quite a few years uh, where I was a registered clinical counselor um, and I moved back here about two and a half years ago and so I've been working here ever since. Is there like a scientific actual you know medical correlation between physical exercise and mental health? An actual scientific correlation? I feel like the answer is yes. Can mm. I give you the statistics? No. That's fine. Um, but there, abs- there absolutely is a scientific correlation. I think enough studies have been done mm. to show that there makes there is an immense benefit. Um, it alleviates depression. It alleviates anxiety. Um, to give you actual numbers, I would be making it up. But, That's um, fine. but I know for sure that, because uh, I tell clients, especially clients who are struggling with depression, um, it's a... Uh, the way I describe it is I know asking you to get out of bed can feel like pushing a boulder uphill in the <laughs> rain while molasses is on your feet. Like I get that this is a big ask, but, you know, pushing through that and, and making that extra step makes a huge difference. And here I am living the big testament. So. <laughs> so in the past few days, I've seen something on American news. Um, the first thing I saw was a black teenager mm-hmm. or young I think a teenager who went knocking on the wrong door mm-hmm. and he got shot in his head yeah right he wasn't he didn't have a weapon he wasn't antagonizing he just knocked he showed up she showed up right yeah. that's one two um 
a bunch of now these are white children mm -hmm. right boys and girls they were driving in the in a neighborhood looking for a friend's house mm -hmm. went up the wrong driveway realized it was the wrong house turned around and the person came out of their house and shot them and mm -hmm. killed her that's two then three mm -hmm. um and not <clears throat> some other young girls were leaving cheerleading practice um i think they went to get food or something like that but it was in a parking lot was in a parking lot um and one girl went to the wrong car door so she went to her car thought it was her friend's car opened the door wasn't her friend's car she said sorry she closed the door went to her friend's car the person proceeded to come out of the car go to her friend's car and shoot her wow the first two i knew about the third one i didn't right the, the third one happened i think yesterday mm. So I bring that up mm -hmm. because a large part of me believes that there is an issue, obviously, with gun ownership and, and the access to guns, yeah. right, across the entire world, mm -hmm. right? But there's another part of me that says, is it just that or is it what we're seeing on TV that's making everybody on edge? Because you have to be on edge anxious about something in fear of something that makes you literally pursue pursue yeah so it's not you're not being attacked or you're defending you're literally shooting somebody in the back who, who is leaving yeah. and so i ask that based on your background is there a is news bad is uh, is what we're seeing in in the news in the media should we watch news should we stop watching news <laughs> Oh, that's a big question. Um, Sean, that is a huge question. Why would you ask me that <laughs> off the bat? Take your time. That's fine. Um, okay, there's layers to it. Um, the first layer is, I, I can't say yes or no, right? Um, a part of me, you know, the uh, protective um, part that thinks that this is all a fear-mongering kind of um, let's keep everyone on edge as much as we can because then we can sell them the solution kind of approach. Yes, news is terrible. Um, the way they use news, I think, a lot of times is really to be reflected upon. Um, it's no longer informing, I find. I, I find it um, almost like to warn you. Uh, it, it's like it's not ever taken from a neutral angle. It's taken from a very clear agenda-based angle, which I've never been a fan of. So, and personally, I mean, I'm as a psychologist, I'm sure many people be surprised to hear this. I avoid the news. Uh, I, I look for the highlights. I'm like, okay, what are the headlines? Fantastic. And I don't need details. Some things I will dive further into. And I, I started doing that since COVID mm -hmm. intentionally. I knew it was not right for my mental health. It was taking me down a very dark place. And I became very anxious and depressed and frightened. And I said, this is not how I want to live my life. That's the first part. Second part, gun ownership. <laughs> um, I do think that gun ownership, I, I come, I've lived, I, I should say I'm a dual citizen uh, in, a, in one country that is um, Jamaica, which is lovely and beautiful and very much has some restrictions on gun ownership, but there's a lot of available mm -hmm. um, firearms and a lot of people who see it necessary yes. to own it, to protect, you know, this idea of this, this it offers protection. And I, I see, I understand, mm -hmm. I understand the fear where that comes from because there is, you know, crime, there is violence. There's a real threat. Absolutely. Um, however, I also lived in a country for many years that's very pacifist-based. <laughs> I lived in Canada. And so you cannot get a gun. You have to be a police officer. Yeah. The average citizen is not allowed to carry practically. And so 
and there is a much lower rate of gun violence. Um, can I say for sure that one absolutely causes <laughs> is, is is causation? No, yeah. is it correlated? Absolutely. 100%. Um, but you know, at the same time, that takes it I mean to a larger conversation of people having opportunities and not having to worry about healthcare and food and provision the way we do in Jamaica. And so, it's a that's why it's a layered answer. Yeah. Um, at the your your initial your main question is is news bad um the way it is given to us i think it is i think it is harmful i i no longer find it helpful um and so i rarely find people coming away from a news informative period and they feel like oh good i know that now you know they're like <laughs> me can't believe say and yeah. you know they this they, they start and yeah. the arguments the upsetting and the government must and this person stays on <laughs> everyone comes up. I mean I always ask like ask yourself when you listen to this how do you feel afterwards yeah. and if it ends up creating more harm than good then how is it helpful um, you have to know you have to know the information so seek it as information don't seek it as you know let me prepare and arm myself for going out there because that's what it becomes is that I think people are really thinking they're at battle every day and so if someone comes to my car yeah. even if they're walking away you have you know, breached my yeah. my safe space. My driveway is my safe space. Now I must attack you, which is insanity. Yeah. Um, I recently uh, started going to the market again, Coronation Market with my mother, and I love it. It's exhausting and hot, but I love it. And um, something that stands out to me is that there's still kindness every now and then. Mm -hmm. There's still loudness and, you know, brashness and people cussing and you just kind of roll your eyes. But Every now and then there's kindness and they put an extra dish on or mm. they check in with the price. And I'm like, this is, this is a place that I remember growing up and it being a safe space. And yeah. then for a while, Carnation Market, nobody no go on, you yeah. know, goes there because it's so unsafe. And that's not true. It is incredibly beautiful and, and this lovely tapestry of Jamaican culture and food and, and health and, and kindness. And there's actual kindness from, these, from vendors to, to you as a customer. And... But you listen to the news, you go and hear said down the street from Coronation Market. Exactly. Right? And I'm like, that that messaging is wrong. It's false. And it's I think it's, it's definitely harmful. But can I say yes or no? No, I can't say that. So that's that's a good point because especially in your field, do you, like, would would you recommend mm, that okay. persons safeguard what they take in? Yes. Because you know, your mental health depends on what you take in. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, if you sit down reading articles, whether it's official news or Instagram, if you're taking in something that degrades your mental health, you mm -hmm. know, how important is it to safeguard your ears and your eyes from the outside world? Paramount. It's absolutely paramount. I have recommended it to clients. I practice it myself. I'm very... I always say be very wary of why you're listening to this and also pay attention to what it does to you. Um, the information we take in becomes our narrative. Um, and it's important to have that be something that's beneficial and growth-based and positive. And yeah, there are bad things. There are always bad things. Um, this might sound trite, but that's not new. Um, and, but somehow it has become the only thing uh, there's very rarely information that counters yeah. that anymore, yeah. you know? Um, and then when something, so a kind act or a beautiful act happens, it's like, 
I mean, it's practically revered as opposed to <laughs> the majority of people yeah. are actually good, kind, and decent. Yeah. Um, but because they're so frightened, um, everyone is very much constantly on guard. And even when I meet clients, and um, and I can appreciate, you know, therapy is frightening in itself, but, you know, even laughing with somebody and being able to just be have a conversation like we are, like just so few people are willing to do that. Um, because you know, we don't want nobody know say, and we have to protect say, and I just like, oh, <laughs> it's just exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> because there is a fear that you know, if you let your guard down, mm-hmm. even in conversation, if you expose yourself, if you're vulnerable, someone may take advantage of it. Mm, trust me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but then, but then, so what? So I, that, that's my question. So what? So. You told somebody that you cry when you when you you know feel sad, okay? What happens after that? What what does that? What can that person do to you that will make that knowledge any different or better or worse? Thank you. That is, it's it, and I, I, I might take this conversation in a totally different direction, That's but fine. especially when it comes to I, I find gender based behavior. So mm. when it comes to men. I, my, in a lot of ways, my heart weeps for the Jamaican man because there is this idea, this, and I mean, it is ingrained in almost our DNA at this point, which is mm-hmm. really concerning that men cannot, I mean, cannot cry, seek help, um, say they're struggling, like they cannot. And the, it feels almost venomous, like mm-hmm. response that they are met with from sometimes their partners. I'm like, mm-hmm. They know how how are you supposed to how you stand a chance, frankly. Um, it's um what was I saying? Just I had this conversation with my mother actually again yesterday. Uh, we were talking about boys because I have a young son mm-hmm. and it's interesting because like if he cries or something, like some older generations and narratives, you know, don't cry. And I say, stop. Mm-mm, don't even speak it. Man up. <laughs> if you ever. <laughs> because then you same person will argue and complain when that young man who or that child who is now a, a teenager, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a young man who has no access to his emotions, who is aggressive or violent or, you know, shuts down completely. What do him? Me can't believe same stay so. And I'm just like, really? You're, you're really confused? You're confused how we got here. <laughs> and I'm, I find it fascinating. And then somehow girls, you know, we've luckily, I think I've seen a shift in the narrative around women and their expectations of strength and what they're capable of and being able to be vulnerable along with being, you know, mm. that I've seen a shift in. Yay. And I'm a woman. Woo, women's rights. Can we kind of pop over to the men for a bit? Because, and again, it's not going to be a popular opinion, but can we just give them space to be? Um, I just... It, it's something that boggles my mind. I remember telling someone I was going to get my son a doll. Because <laughs> I think a doll is absolutely sensible for any child to have. It teaches care. Well. But maybe an action figure. <laughs> exactly. That's the only acceptable doll. I'm like, but he need, he's not going to cuddle an action figure. <laughs> like, it's not something we do. You know, and I was like, you know, teach care. They're like, well, get him a pet. I said, who go and watch a pet for a two-year-old? He's two. Oh, what? Me now watch the pet? Look. Look, just shush. Just, uh. <laughs> but it's funny though. So you're the very first. Okay, <clears throat> you're the first person I've heard say something like that, <laughs> which I think is good. I was about to say I told you it was gonna go in a particular <laughs> direction. I no, which I think is good. And let me tell you why. So I have a daughter, and there's something that I am guilty of doing. Mm-hmm. I am guilty of doing it, sure. right? And I and I tell people I've seen it. 
from my eyes, four generations now, mm. right? So I have a sister who is five years older than me. And I remember seeing herself and her friends say the exact same thing. Men treat them bad. Mm-hmm. Man shot, Jamaica man this, Jamaica man that. Right? That's mm-hmm. how my sister and her friends say that. Mm-hmm. Then my friend said it. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen my younger cousins and friends say it now, right? Mm-hmm. And then I look at my daughter, and that's the fourth time I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. Clearly, she's five. She's not dating. But, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I'm... Everything I've seen, everything I saw before, yeah. I'm seeing the seeds be planted now. Mm. So the thought of man being short, again, maybe controversial, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing the seeds being planted. Mm-hmm. Do the words planted in princess movies and fairy movies? Yep. Because every girl in the entire town mm-hmm. has to find that one prince. Yep. So everybody gets dressed up in their best clothes mm. to go to the ball, hoping that he picks her. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, even though you walk past 5,000 miles on the street, you want the one man. Mm-hmm. And that's where the seed is planted. Mm-hmm. And I think that we don't, if you look outside, you will see a kitchen set, and all kind of cool stuff for my daughter, right? Mm-hmm. But what do we give boys? Truck, car, gun. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, action figures. And action, <laughs> and action figures. So we're grooming little girls to want a prince and to take care of the house. Mm-hmm. We're grooming boys to drive fast and shoot. Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting here you say that you want to buy a son a doll because that is unheard of. Boys are supposed yes. to be raised to be tough and strong. And yes, as a society, we're still uncomfortable seeing a male do certain things. If a male shows emotion, maybe if you're the wife or the girlfriend, you may be okay with it. But if you are just in an area, I see a man crying, I'm like, why is he? That's how I've been act. And it's unfortunate because we're human beings. We have emotions. But that's not what we're told is the norm. No, absolutely not. And it's... um. It's very, the thing that stands out to me, especially when you say that, is one group is taught to care for and the other group is taught to party and play. (laughs) You realize that, right? Like there's nothing about um, uh, driving fast cars and playing with action figures that tells you about caring for. But now a man is expected to be the leader of a household. Magically. 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 Literally, it's supposed to be like you hit 18 and congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you have become. Yes. And, and they have no frame of reference for this. And um, it's, it's and another thing I see oftentimes, and I've, I don't know if I see it as much, but I remember seeing this, is I would hear women, groups of women, um, complaining that their man is crying or complaining that he's sad. You know, his mother did. You know, we're sad. Yeah, but we have things for do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, his mother, what? His... And, his whole example of womanhood <laughs> just passed away and we're, we're, we're frustrated. He's taking yeah. too long. Yeah. Um, it's really, it, it really is a, I, I always encourage people to really evaluate the thing you're asking for, what you're complaining about. How are you cultivating it? How are you a part of creating it in the world? Um, I can't complain and desire a man who's going to care for and be more vulnerable if I don't make space for him to do so. Um, even if it's not my man, a man, let's, let's do, you know, for the next person. How about that? Um, I, 
it's it's really a difficult and you know bless my partner he has to put up with this all the time because I just I encourage it and he's just like what are you talking about he looks at me and says I don't understand and I say I know <laughs> I know you don't I'm not even mad at you for it I get it but that's a point <laughs> I get it but but it's true we don't know and it's not controversial statement as men we don't know mm-hmm. and. It's not our fault. Mm-mm. Correct. We were, we were never taught that. So the same mother who would have wanted a partner to be good and respectful is raising the son to not do what you would have wanted. Correct. And I don't know where to start because society is not there. And so if you would try to raise your son a particular way... He may be bullied. Yeah. And and being able to, for you to tolerate that, because I mean, as a parent, no one wants to see their kid being bullied, right? Correct. Um, but also giving them the strength to be able to tolerate that themselves. Like no kid wants to be bullied. And so um, it's, um, it's, it's a difficult quandary to figure out. I, I, I've, I've always said I'm, I'm in the business of hope and mm. the business of change. The minute I don't think I, I don't have hope or I don't believe in change, I can't do my job. So I have hope that this can change. <laughs> I say perfectly. But I do. I really do think that more people are getting more information about emotional intelligence and are getting more information about um, the value of a, a unit together, um, the importance of, you know, love being love. It doesn't matter if it's man, woman, man, man, woman, woman. No one really cares. Like there's enough violence in the world. How about we just focus on love and worry less about what we think it should look like? Mm-hmm. Like I think more people are willing to even engage in the conversation. Before it was completely shut down and you were practically laughed out of the square. Now we are actually at the place where I think that conversation creates thought and creates, hmm, I'm surprised and that kind of thing. Um, the next step for my hope is that there will now be kind of a self-evaluation of really paying attention to the behaviors that maybe I'm showing that are a part of the problem and increasing the behaviors that could be more about the solution. Um, I, that's my hope. <laughs> I could be asking for a lot. So it's funny you say that. Um, I think that there are some things in society that we're okay with once it's over there. Mm-hmm but we're not okay with it once it's at home, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, persons may be like, I'm not racist, I'm okay with interracial dating, right? But, but if your child comes home with some of the other races, like, hold on, hold on, hold on, what's going on here? Precisely. And so <laughs> it's, is it truly accepting or is it just acknowledging it happens, but we're not accepting or tolerating? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in other societies, right, where... So the honest and unfortunate fact is that women having rights is still new. It's still new. And it still doesn't exist in other societies, right? I know, yeah. So I'm, I'm bringing this up because of how we raise our sons, how we raise our daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, I guess, our society, you know, America, Jamaica, the UK, etc., we have progressed past women can't work and stuff like that. Right. Not a long time ago, but, you know, fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Are there any stats that show that other societies, you know, um, like Muslim societies where women maybe can't drive or, you know, some in some societies like that, right. 
are they happier? Is this change to try to have more equality, mm. is that impacting happiness? <laughs> that is a fantastic question. I don't know. Um, I think the definition of happiness would depend. That's the only way to really answer that. Um, if I am defining happiness by my access to, then I imagine, yeah, I have more access, I have more options, I don't have to ask someone else. Um, but if I, but if my definition of happiness is, you know, peace and rest, you know, there's something, whilst I mean, bless all stay-at-home mothers, I do not know how you do it, because <laughs> I love my son, but I am happy I work. Um, I want to be a stay-at-home dad. Let's put it out there. Good for you. 100%. I want to high-five you. I am genuinely <laughs> impressed, because I don't think I have the, the bandwidth. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, because you're, you're cultivating something really, really beautiful in those situations. But, you know, if it's a, if your definition of happiness is, is, is something else, right? My ability mm. to create a certain kind of home and have, you know, these things available for my family, then no, working does not, you know, lend itself to that as easily. Because mm. um, I don't have to report to and, cre and you know, produce whatever to make this money. Um, so I think the only way to know is, is, is by that definition. I, and each person, I think, was going to have a different answer, yeah. I imagine. Um, certain societies, because I think about uh, the societies that, like, and any society that I think oppresses, any rule that prevents, um, I, I can't imagine there is high happiness mm. um, simply because you've taken away my choice. I've, I've always said you have to let people choose. And if you truly let people choose, you then can't mm. complain when they choose it. That's really important because okay. they're like, yeah, 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 man, I let them choose. However, they can't choose that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the definition of choice. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and when you define it from that kind of base, you know, if allowing people to choose, because that includes women's rights, men's rights, children's rights, um, allowing choice, as long as it's not harmful to themselves, harmful to others, like those kind of basic things at the end of the day, why are you worried about it? Mm -hmm. uh, and, that, and that lends itself to things like, you know, it's fine over there, but they tolerate. And, you know, even when um, uh, whoever he was made that comment about parliament, yeah, that's fine, just not in my house. I mean, I remember who said it. Um, that foolish statement. Um, and I was in Canada when it happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was. Jamaica was blacklisted for years <laughs> after that. Um, it's, it, it doesn't lend itself to, if this happens, okay, how does this affect you? Mm -hmm. Why does it bother you so? Mm -hmm. If a woman chooses to drive in a country that does not allow, and mm -hmm. already that's a problem, mm -hmm. driving for women, um, what, what do you think she's suddenly going to crash more? Like, I don't, I don't understand that it don't make no sense. But of course, that's not my culture. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Which, right? So I can't then cuss it. But I, I keep saying, what is the issue with choice? What does it mean to choose? Um, and once there is choice, how do you feel about that choice? I always, um, and you'll realize that in anything I say, I always talk about checking in with yourself, asking yourself, reflecting for yourself. And I think that's where we can create any real change. You mentioned something about checking in with yourself, which I think is really important, right? Yeah. Um, that's something I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do more often. Um, today I saw someone say the, the time between, not going to mess it up, but almost like the time <laughs> between hearing something or, or you know seeing something and between the action, that that time is where you grow. And I'm saying it very hard, but I probably take it out of the podcast. But no. <laughs> the time between something happening to you or right. around you right. and you 
you responding, responding in your behavior? Right. Okay. That's where you grow. Ah, okay. Grow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I can see that. Um, because they're saying that, you know, persons who just retaliate without mm. thinking, without etc. 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 You know, more, most times you look back and you're embarrassed. Mm. You're embarrassed when you're shouting. You're mm. embarrassed when you're doing something like that because you didn't take time to think about it. Yep. And of course, it's not about not responding, mm -hmm. but getting to the point of being able to respond in the manner that you are proud of. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, somebody did something to you, but you you train yourself so much that you can respond quickly mm -hmm. in a in quote-unquote mature way mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, that wasn't bad. Um, but I think that self-development, we don't do often, right? Um, this year, I did a course called The Me Experience, which is an amazing course, mm -hmm. right? And... It, it's just about looking at yourself in the mirror. Flaws, pros, cons, everything like that. Mm -hmm. And we often don't do that. We often don't take time to look at yourself. And let's be honest, you know. And not just be honest, but be honest. And if you if you want to, if you choose to, take steps to better yourself in any way that you believe it's not, you know, who you want to be or who you want to be represented. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that there's something that do you think it is nature or nurture that makes us not want to look at ourselves? Shiny killing the questions today, dude. <laughs> um, nature or nurture? Hmm. I think it is... My answer might change as I talk. That's but um, my first, my initial response is I feel like it's, I feel like it's nurture. I feel like we learn from what we see. Um, within psychology and its and all of its lovely theories, because psychology is really just a bunch of floating theories on the human experience and behaviors. But um, one of the experiences talks about the learning theory. That's interesting. Psychology is just a bunch of floating theories. I know, right? I mean, the psychologist. No, but it, it's true. It's true. And before you go ahead, I think that's true. I think that <clears throat> the reason I like that mm -hmm. is a lot of us grow up whatever our parents said or our teacher or pastor or whatever the case is is concrete yeah man i will hold on to it for their life mm -hmm. and so when things change or somebody has a different point of view you don't know how to relate and you get upset and get angry it's like that was that person giving you their best information at that no. point in time right that's it right so you saying that about psychology is important to know that a theory may change that's life Yes, anyway, and more than a, and one of the reasons I think I said it like that is because it knowing that even though as a theory changes, so as my parent gives me one thing when I'm 12, they're going to change it when I'm 20. Um, it's also important to remember that as we have different ideas, it doesn't necessarily work for everybody, and um, that's why I say a bunch of theories that sure it worked for John, but it's not going to work for Jane, yeah. and it doesn't mean somehow Jane's failed. It yeah. <laughs> just means it wasn't for you, yeah. and because um, you know we get focused on, but all of these people had all of this success. Yeah, but you're you're allowed to be different and unique and special, and and tailor. You know something I use a lot in my work is I talk about the sweet spot. I talk about let's not worry about. I don't work in extremes. I work in gray and the sweet spot, and there's balance and everything. So let's find what your sweet spot is, yeah. and together we will get there. But let's not worry about what your mother, father, brother, sister say. Me no business with them. Them is not in front of me. I'm business with you. I like that. So, um, but yeah, I digress. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so I do think that it is nurture because we learn from, and so if I have a a system around me because families are systems 
um, that is it frequently checks in with themselves and frequently makes space for it and discusses it. Mm-hmm. You know, come mommy and daddy can do things and don't tell me. I always yeah. find it interesting when I hear like my parents never fought in front of us, and I'm thinking, but fighting's not bad. Like mm-hmm. it's there's healthy ways to disagree, mm-hmm. but you, ne- you did you have no frame of reference. You just right. have that you should never fight. No, right. no, no. <laughs> That's where we get <laughs> yeah. run into a lot of problems. Um, but so yeah, I think definitely I can stand behind nurture. Uh, the nature part. I think is where adapting comes in. Something's not working so naturally. I think it's just our nature that we, we, we pivot one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, we might pivot in a different, in a more negative or unhelpful or maladaptive direction, but we pivot. Um, I think that's where nature, oh, which one? Nature comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but nurture for sure, I think is more learned. So yeah, uh, does that answer the question? It does, okay. uh, it, it, it does, and it's just, um I think it's just interesting that um, because you can end up going through life A, with unresolved things internally, mm-hmm. B, for whatever reason, always looking out, always thinking this isn't working because of that or because of this or whatever the case is, mm-hmm. and never taking the time to just look internally and realize that maybe it's how I speak or maybe it's something I say or how I walk or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe I'm not posturing myself in a way that makes persons want to speak with me, Mm -hmm. etc. And so it's, it's so important, but then we don't necessarily teach people that. No. Um, So I have a question, right? What you do, psychology is extremely important, but we don't speak about it, discuss it in school, mm. right? Yeah. So, mm. so I have an issue with the school system, right? No, I'm not saying I could do better because I've never created a school system before, right? Valid, yes. So I, I'm not saying I'm awesome. No, I definitely I'm not. But my issue with the school system is that the current system, it happens all across the world, unfortunately, in my mind, leaves out some essential stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So one, it leaves out everyday tasks. So you finish school at seventeen, mm-hmm. or you finish university at twenty-one, and that person who has a degree, who technically is supposed to be, you know, really good, asks that person how to get to NIS, how to get to TRN, or just things that are natural things. They probably can't do it because. School, in my point of view, doesn't teach daily activity requirements. Right. Right. If you leave school today and you want to start a business, you don't know how to go to company's office. Start. Like, there are things that are natural things that school doesn't teach. Yeah. Or natural, but daily routine. That's one. Two, to your field, school doesn't teach you how to interact with people. Mm. Right. School doesn't teach you how to respect people. Right. School doesn't teach you how to appreciate that everybody is different. Right. In fact, to me, school does, school does a total opposite, mm-hmm. which is if you are six years old and you can't call up within the lines, you're slow, which is madness. Yeah. There's an, av- there's an average that somebody 
5,000 years ago decided that yeah. everybody that's sick should be able to color. So that's just the age that we'll create this book at. <laughs> and so if if little Sean, all of us of the can color six, I'm slow, let's put him back at the class. Yeah. And I think about how conformist school is, mm -hmm. which is literally the opposite of the real world. Mm -hmm. The real world, we're all different. We all have different things that we want to achieve, different ways of learning, different everything like that. But school has everybody along the exact same path. And if you're not in the same path, something wrong with you. You're yeah. slow. Yeah. And so I, I'm just, it's, I don't know what to do because it's a problem. It is. It is a huge problem. I remember this cartoon, this illustration that I saw um, of, uh, you know, two kind of pencils sending their child off to school and it was a tree. And after a few years, he came back a pencil. Like this idea that you have to be formed um, as opposed to cultivated, <laughs> as That's opposed funny. to, you know, planted and made into a forest. It was, it was, a, it was an interesting reminder that that is the job of a lot of traditional schools. Um, and I will admit that I had worked with... Um, uh, the education system a bit in Canada, and they had t they had started. Can I say that? Yes. I'm how long ago? I want to say about eight years ago, mm -hmm. maybe seven years ago. I I saw the there it would be middle school. I think it would be middle school start to introduce things about emotions and the mm -hmm. way you interact with and keeping hands to ourselves and not and not just because I find that the little kids here they do have those kinds of lessons mm -hmm. in the right socioeconomic status. <laughs> right? That's where it gets interesting. Right. Uh, but that's a whole nother layer. Um, but, you know, as, but there it was older and it was mm -hmm. more encouraged. And so it was less about you have to do it this way. It's more about what's going on for you. And I saw that start to permeate in the school system. So systemically, there was beginning to begin, um, become a shift. Here, you're right. It is still very much a, I mean, the fact that we still have Sciences versus arts is psychotic to me because yeah. I remember that as a kid. It's either or. Either or. There is no other. There is no third. And so because I was not great at science and I couldn't color or draw, I never the TD, you know. Back of the class. Made it really have some problems. So clearly me the fly fire. Like that was my only option, really. Yeah. And um, and I, I'm really happy for the system that worked for some people because some people needed that kind of rigidity is what I will call it. But there isn't, there wasn't enough flexibility for those who didn't. And it's not even 50-50. I think it's 60-40. The 60 of us need flexibility. Is it, is it possible, though? So, again, having never been a system before of a school. Fair. Is it possible to, to if every human being is unique, mm -hmm. is it possible to have any form of system that can train all of us to reach our potential because a system based on the world you know is about Itself, right it's about having Structure. some generalizations mm -hmm. that works for most things right. and there are exceptions right and uh i i don't think so and i think that's okay um because i think within each i think each system can be different so um, something else that Canada did really well was that they had alternate schools. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, alternate schools was very much, you, you know, could be used as a, well, you're just going to go to the alternate school and you are somehow less than and worse off. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, there was more flexibility built into the system. So you didn't have to go to class a number of days. You didn't have to produce a certain amount of work, but you were worked with differently. And mm -hmm. you still completed. You still learned. And it's just, they simply said they learned differently. Uh, so the system had flexibility built in. So they had the traditional school and the 
yeah. alternate school is what it was yeah. called. And every, um, I want to say every town, every town, not province, every town had a version of that, one and two. Go- government funded, like the government made well, it you in even, their system. You even realize that in the terminology. Yes, it is a very, it's very, it, <laughs> very flawed. <laughs> it's very flawed. It's very no, I mean, it, it's cool enough, but it's, it's cool, as in having the option is cool. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, that design is cool, but the word is awful. Right, so the design is cool, but it's, man. The word is awful. It's, to me, again, I'm not your profession, but I think that one of the biggest issues why people are sad, depressed, you know, killing themselves, et cetera, is that they feel alone. Mm-hmm. They feel othered. Mm-hmm. And I I look at, I'm not saying I'm doing better, or probably I'm not. Yeah. But I look at things and I'm like, why do we say this? Why do we say that? Because those words make a difference. They do. You know, when... You know, let's say my daughter would see somebody in a wheelchair or a culture that she asks, what's that? The other day I was like, because I, I said something like, you know, some people need help or something like that. And I think I caught myself as like, no, everybody walks and everybody walks differently. You walk left foot, right foot. I walk right foot, left foot. That person walk with a wheelchair. Because well if you just say, that's probably like, what do we ever? But when but I read it, I was saying something that art initially made her think that wheelchair was different. Right. I don't want her to think that. It was not the norm. Exactly. Right. I didn't want her to think that. I was like, no, we all walk. And sometimes you walk on this, I walk on that, and that person walk on this with a wheelchair. There's nothing. Because those little things make people feel that someone else is different. Yes. Um, again, I don't know how you make everything normalized. Right. But. Uh, and I think it's access, um, access of information and an openness to converse. Because uh, the, the, those who are, you know, uh, I don't say othered, but not within mm-hmm. the status quo of whatever foolishness. Um, uh, you know, it's also a very great frustration to have, the, to have the expectation on now you must educate. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, like I said, I, I was in Canada for a number of years and I've been a number of places and, you know, some were more diverse than others. And one of the places I lived in, um, my landlord had a, they were in rural Abbotsford. Look it up guys. It, it, you know, um, but the niece found me so fascinating because she'd never seen someone like me. This isn't like 2020, mostly. Nine, no, 2019. This is not 1975. Like, come on. This is not 1955. Mm-hmm. This is, stop it. And she was fascinated. And those who don't know, I have freckles. And I have so many kids looking at me like, can that rub off? Nope. <laughs> and, it's, and so I become the educator. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everyone has different skin colors. And sometimes you're born with freckles. And no, it doesn't always go away with the sun. Like, it, it, it's interesting, the things that start to have to become yeah. my responsibility to inform versus a parent being a part of the conversation because you might not even know. I don't expect you to know everything. Yeah. That's okay. Um, but I also need to be okay with that. I can't then start to cost a picnic, start to cost a parent. Me can't believe, yeah. say, how oh, dare you, oppression. <laughs> you know, it's... Oppression. <laughs> you don't, oppression. You know, first thing we come to. As opposed to just having a conversation. I always say this. I don't know why conversations are so frightening. I, I, and I say this knowing I am privileged enough to have been taught to converse. And I like to converse. It is something that brings me joy. But... 
if people listened more and talked more, so many things would be avoided, so many things would be solved. Um, and not listen to respond, listen to understand. Like listen to say, what is that like for you? I really, I really don't know. But then me not getting vexed away, I ask me that far. You know, must know. No, I really don't. That's why I'm asking. So don't consider it a threat or an insult. And I've seen that where people become very agitated at the fact that you dared to ask me a question. I think it stems from insecurities on both ends. So okay. if you... Some persons may have freckles and when they're four years old, five years old, somebody laugh off of them or whatever the case is. And so they're just not that confident in it or it, it, it brings up an old memory. True. Right? And, it, and it's a flip side of it. So the other day I, I saw a friend of mine and her son, who's, you know, five years old, had an Apple Watch on. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, cool. It's an Apple Watch. And, you know, her response was she feels a bit cute about it. You know, she told her husband not to buy the watch, but he bought a watch for the son. And I said, but why do you feel cute about it? And mm. there's an insecurity of, yeah, but, you know, what would people think and the stuff like that, yeah. assumptions. And I think that when we're not confident, we don't want to speak about certain things. If we're confident, if we're comfortable, we'll talk. But there are things that we're just, we feel shy about for whatever the reason is. And therefore, when somebody asks you, it triggers you versus you just answering. It triggers something in you. And sometimes during that, that trigger response, you probably don't even know why it triggers you. True. Why don't ask me that for? Because they want to know. True. <laughs> That's all. Sometimes. But, but that brings us back to the topic of vulnerability. Because even though I am uncomfortable, and that uncomfortableness is a vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I am vulnerable regarding yes. my freckles. I'm vulnerable about the fact that, you know, somebody buy me a picnic, mm -hmm. you know, an Apple Watch. Um, and being able to be open about our vulnerabilities. But that does also mean I could be hurt. And being okay with mm -hmm. being hurt, knowing I can handle, because no one wants to be hurt, that sucks, but I can <laughs> handle it, you know? I know I have the tools in order yeah. to not let this ruin my entire, you know, next three months. A couple of weeks, I might feel kind of crappy, but I know I can talk to a friend yeah. or I can, you know, go to my therapist or I can, you know, do my journaling or I can do my self-care, all the various things that we have the information, but we don't always apply. Like I, like I said, my exercise, I knew better. Um, it, it, it very much is about bringing us back to the topic of vulnerability and being okay with, if we were a society that didn't avoid vulnerability, didn't chastise vulnerability and encouraged and supported, then those kinds of conversations, despite my cuteness, despite my own insecurities, would not be so much of a, a trigger. And if I'm triggered, I still know what to do about it. Because we're going to get triggered. We are going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be insecure. But that doesn't mean I need to walk around with an, like an armadillo rolling around the place yeah. with you know, a protective shell. Yeah. I can let people in. And if you hurt me, okay, meanie, meh, and walk <laughs> away and do, and do something else. It doesn't mean it needs to shift my entire worldview. Um, so it's because that's just not the way the world works. It can't. And because of that, when somebody drives on my driveway or someone accidentally opens my car, I shoot them in the back. That's how we get here. <laughs> it really comes from the ability to be like, oops, well, I didn't like that. Yeah, kind of sucked. My bad. Okay, everyone moves on. Who has the responsibility to be the bigger person? Oh, Sean, why would you ask me that? I'll just ask. It's <clears throat> because, you know, 
one may say, you know what? Patricia having a bad day. Let's just, you know, be okay with her. And you may say, I'm having a bad day too. What happened to me? I know. I know. That's really the answer. <laughs> but me, me, I'm bad day too. I exactly. I know. And so, it's, 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 um, it's hard to, it's the right and godly thing to do. Right. To always be respectful. Right. To always think. Mm-hmm. To always appreciate it. People are having bad days. Right. That's what that's the right godly thing to do. But <laughs> But we have our shells up. Yeah. We have our shells up. And you know, sometimes our that gap, that time between the action and the reaction, mm. sometimes it's too short. <laughs> it's just too short. Right. Um so yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't know what what we teach people, how we help people, how do you help someone grow in that sense? I mean, I'm totally going to quote, like, I know people are rolling their eyes, but I'm going to quote Gandhi. You, you get to be the change you want to see in the world. Okay. So you are responsible for yourself. I know. I do. Uh, it's, I'm it kind of sense. rolling my own eyes it as sense. I say it. it but it, it, this is a time where I pull that in, mm. is that I, you're right. I can't, um, I'm not always going to be vulnerable. I'm not always going to be open. I'm not always going to be able to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And I'm going to cuss and carry on and, you know, twist my neck and wave my finger. However, um, I also am responsible for myself. And if I want to see different, I, get, I have to be different. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to have days where I am unkind or unpleasant or I don't show up as my ideal self. Um, and that's okay, too. There, I, I think I'm, I very much avoid perfection. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a fool's errand. Um, I think it's really important to, as you change, be proud of your progress. And that includes the days that you don't change so great. Um, cause that is a journey. Nothing's linear. It's always up and down and sideways and crossways. But, um, who, who is responsible? You are responsible for you. Um, you're responsible for who you love. You know, I'm probably, am I likely to give my best friend more allowance than I am, you know, the person that sold me the bread? Probably. Probably not sometimes. Probably not. Because they expect more for your best friend. How dare she do that? Right. But <laughs> I, true. And I and funny enough, I think that's so unfair. I'm more like, it's like, you know her better than everybody that must know her. So if you come out, so something to do her, you know. Um, true. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, but is a, there's, there's good, there's ups and downs and goods and bads. And uh, I think we need to be willing to support ourselves, give ourselves that grace and that patience and that self-compassion um, and the way we give compassion to others. Uh, yeah, I, something a client said to me when I was first starting out in my field is that um, she said nothing, she's like, she, I appreciate so much your kindness. And it stuck with me. She even gave me a little placard I still have. <laughs> um, and it stuck with me because I didn't think I was being particularly kind. Mm-hmm. I was just not being judgmental. And someone listening to this could easily say, yeah, but you're a therapist. You're, supposed, you're not supposed to be judgmental. But I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> and human beings judge. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what we do, guys. We shouldn't, but we do. And it's okay to say that. I know I shouldn't, but I know I struggle with this and I do it sometimes. And, but her statement stuck with me because imagine just showing up with kindness. And what that means, what that word defines, like just showing up with kindness. How different your day can be. You almost think of it like a, 
I use the analogy of clients. If you drop a pebble in a pond, you see ripples. Mm -hmm. When there is a change in a surface, everything around it kind of changes, mm -hmm. right? So worry about your change. Everything will change afterwards. You know what I, what I struggle with? Mm. You don't know how people are going to receive things. True. And so, not saying it should stop you from being kind, obviously not. But if you wake up and there are 10 people in the office and you buy 10 cupcakes, so everybody get a cupcake, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everybody's covered. Yeah. Somebody's going to say, him taking better than everybody else. Or just some random comment like that. Yeah. And it's, that shouldn't stop you, you know. True. But it's just so interesting that, um, People per, people's perceptions are based on their experience, their reality, you know, etc. Yes. And you know, you try so hard sometimes to not bother anybody, not to cause any issues, and you inevitably do. Mm. And so where I'm going is, it's it's easier for me to know I did something bad and say, "Oh crap, my bad, I made a mistake," etc. But when I genuinely don't know, because in my mind I was doing something nice, it's like, how do you account for everything? It's probably impossible. How do you account for everybody who may have a different perception of what you have done or not done? The first thing I would ask is, why do you need to account for their response? <laughs> because you don't want to hurt anybody. You want to spread the kindness. <laughs> True. But I mean, I've also said you're not responsible for other people's actions, responses. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot be held accountable. Sorry, I cannot be held responsible for how you feel. Right. I can be accountable for how I show up, right. for sure. That's on me. And if I hurt you, I can now do something about it. Yeah. A, we do not read each other's minds. So this idea that you should know better is so toxic. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but B... As much as, you know, I'm, I buy the 10 cupcakes and somebody said, Ladim thinks everybody better than <laughs> you. Know, and somebody might, you know, um, that, that's on you. I'm, I'm really sorry that you didn't enjoy the cupcake. I can take it back. Like, I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Next time I'll buy bun. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know what so, I mean? It's not on, I'm not going to take on that's the, your feeling about what I did. Because yeah. then that makes it about, it, eh, that's just complicated. It gets yeah. very murky. And I, and I say this really importantly. I'm not implying this is easy to do. Correct. Yeah. This is hard, right? Yeah, I yeah, struggle yeah. with this sometimes. Uh, but I have to remind myself. Um, I, I, I'm a believer of I can't ask my clients to do things I can't do. I'm not willing to do. Mm -hmm. And so if I say to them, you know, it's not your responsibility to take on other people's business. Mikya, then go take on, you know. Yeah. So I work really hard to... If you, you know, I'm going to bring up my partner and he's going to hate this, but um, so I, I worked really hard at that because mm. I'm a talker and I, you know, mm. are you okay? And are you vexing me? And that kind of person. And he's a just give me space kind of mm. guy. And I, I had to learn not to take that on. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't um, my responsibility, mm. his response. He needed to tell me if he was upset. Mm. And so now we finally got to that place where I don't take it on anymore. Mm -hmm. You need a minute? Okay. I'm not going to assume that you hate me. Because that's where my brain used to go. And I see a lot of people go to, la, dip, get me. The cap leaves it. Jay, honey's not talking to you for 10 minutes. Calm down. Um, and I see lots of people do that. We, we start to take on people's, you know, reactions and behaviors. And it's, yeah. it, chances are, it has nothing to do with you. 
and it, it, it's a helpful thing to kind of, when you grasp it, it, is, it makes life, for me, it was made it a hell of a lot easier. I like what you said earlier. <laughs> You're only responsible for what you do, your actions, and you can't take anybody else's actions as your responsibility. It's hard to do, um, especially if you're in a relationship, you're, you want to be, but you can't. You literally can't. Hmm, pretty interesting. No. Um, okay, why did you choose the field of psychology? Like, did you always want to do it? <laughs> kind of, yes. Was it a dream? Oh, gosh, yes, kind of, which is really hilarious. Um, I grew up in a family of uh, physicians and attorneys and business people. Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to do one of the things. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to have a mother or and have a mother who still said, just do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And I've always been interested in psychology. And so if you look at my high school yearbook, it says ambition to become a, a psychologist. It's <laughs> okay. actually in there. But my path wasn't linear. Um, I definitely took a wayward path. And I said, I'm going to do medicine. And then I'm going to do advertising. And I did many things. And I came back to it because it just kept drawing me in. And um I, I fell in love with the ability to be present in someone's pain. Because that's what psychology is. It's hard to do. It is not for everybody. I hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> back up. Yeah. To be present mm-hmm. in someone's pain. Mm-hmm. That's, I like that, that bad. And, and that's a lot of what psychology that is. Bad. Yeah. It's, it's really being okay with being present in, in that way, in a way, because a lot of times we are so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and so we don't know what to say, mm-hmm. and, you know, and so we just kind of run away from it. And so my job is to sit there with you in that frightening part. Um, and I love what that, could, what that creates and what that develops for people and the trust they have in me mm-hmm. to let me do that. It is one of the, it's the most powerful thing. Yeah. So I don't imply it creates change automatically. I don't, I don't think I'm that impressive. I don't think any psychologist is that impressive. Yes, the field is going to out me for that. But what we really offer people is that safety, that non-judgmental safety to just try and figure it out and just be scared and worried and everything, just be. Um, and that is what I love about my work. I don't love a lot of other things, but I love that. And that's why I'm in the field. That space <laughs> between the action and the reaction, yeah. right? I think, you know, to what you're saying is, is what you give people. Mm. And I think that, obviously, not everybody wants to speak to anybody at all. Right. <laughs> some, people, some people are complex with psychologists, mm-hmm. or a pastor, or a priest, or a counselor, or whatever not. And probably even fewer people are comfortable speaking to a partner or a friend. Yeah. Right? Um, but to your point, though, if you can get, if you can increase that time mm-hmm. between the action and reaction, mm-hmm. and if you can have an ear or a shoulder mm-hmm. or a counter during that time, it can make a world of a difference. Yes. But, so my question is, why do you think, again, nature, nurture, life, who knows? <laughs> Why do you think we're, A, not comfortable speaking to people on a whole, mm-hmm. B, not comfortable speaking to somebody who you may call a friend or a partner or a spouse? Mm. So you will sit down there, react quickly or be sad about something or mm-hmm. whatever the case is, mm-hmm. right? Drive one hour and pay money to go and talk to a total stranger about yep. it. But the person right beside you, 
you won't have that conversation and I don't know if it's nature or nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think again that varies. Um, I think it is a it is normal because we what I do think is nature is we are not born to be alone. We don't function well alone. That that's nature. We just mm-hmm. I mean we can go all the way back to prehistoric man. He mm-hmm. he survived in groups like we do not function well alone. Yeah. That's just reality. Yeah. I hate to tell you guys that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> um, however. Vulnerabi- vulnerability becomes the space where that becomes a bit more challenging. So I've heard a lot of people say, I'm going to be judged. I'm going to tell me what to do. They're going to know I'm struggling in this way. You know, I'm the strong one. This idea that strength is equated to non-emoting, which I found really interesting. Mm-hmm. And weakness is emoting, which is so not true. Um, but you know, they need to know some yeah, me manage, but me not manage so good when we go somewhere where me know if I pay them, them can't judge me. Now, the other part of it is mm. I said it, people are judgmental. I'm you know, I'm sorry to say it, but it's reality of life. Um, and judgmental doesn't necessarily mean that I it's always bad, but I'm going to have opinions and I'm going to think a little bit differently. And with that, if I think your judgment will be bad of me, I then avoid. Because you could judge me, it doesn't mean you're to bad judgment. That judgment could be you're struggling. Yeah. Right. Judgment can also be seen really negatively. But um, I, a psychologist or a pastor, whomever, offers a safer space mm-hmm. because there is a built-in understanding that there isn't judgment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen people, you know, people in my field be judgmental. Mm-hmm. That usually doesn't work well for their work. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest doesn't lend itself yeah. to the work right um but uh i think but if you have the kind of support group you know your partner your friends who don't judge mm-hmm. or even if you are vulnerable you never feel like you're going to be seen differently mm-hmm. for it um seen weaker for it you know weakness emoting etc then you are likely to turn to the people around you mm-hmm. um and they are going to turn to you mm-hmm. right the question i ask is do you give them space to be do you tell them what to do it's funny I, i've had um in in my work something i find so interesting is people look at me and say okay great you're the psychologist now tell me what to do and my That's response is job. no yeah that is not what i do because no one can tell you what to do right. <gasps> this kind of gasp of shock what do you mean i i and the answer is you are the expert on your life yeah and even if mommy and daddy think say you should do this and and husband and wife think you should do this and whatever, you still get to be the expert on your life. It's your life to live. That is both a small thing and a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you see it as that, um, it's the idea of worrying about who you talk to is, is neither here nor there. But I think offering space to be, just be, to fall apart, to not fall apart, and you just kind of stand there and say, what can I do? I'm so sorry you're going through this, is some of the most healing things we can do. And then they're likely to come to you. Then you don't. Then my line of work is not needed. Um, it's No, it's funny you say that. I was about to ask you that. I literally, I was... <laughs> we're not needed. I was about to say, outside of, you know, chemical, you know, reasons, if everybody was comfortable just speaking... That could make a world of a difference. Dude. But then somebody goes to work, yep. has a rough day, yep. um, 
speak to nobody about it because they feel embarrassed or whatever the case is they sit down and they just hold it in mm -hmm. and it eats at them you know the other day i was talking to a friend of mine and um she was saying that you know in her office multiple times over the years there have been guys who have either touched her inappropriately or made um you know inappropriate remarks yeah right and i said so why do you say something and i said look i'm not a woman i don't know what it's like to experience that and you know thoughts repercussions etc but, but why wouldn't you say something and she mm -hmm. was like she feels as if she doesn't know but she feels as if if she said something um it may be brushed brushed aside or whatever the case is yeah and i think about the fact that this is something that has happened to her mm. maybe she has spoken to myself or other people about it but she has never spoke to somebody at the place who could do something about it and again that's probably just adding to the list of things that's in your mind every day and it's like if we had the comfort, mm -hmm. the vulnerability to express ourselves, it could make a world of a difference. Mm -hmm. mm. It really could. And, and But then I go back to how do you show up? How do you offer space for someone else to be vulnerable? Mm -hmm. and, it, and again, it's, no one's asking for perfection. No one's mm -hmm. asking for you know, psychology trained, leveled, you know, master's leveled, PhD trained mm -hmm. kind of skill set. But we are talking about basic things like checking in mm -hmm. and um, listening and mm -hmm. not offering a one-up story when we don't realize <laughs> that's what we're doing. That's really common, <laughs> right? I know what you're going through. I went through this too. No, that is the least helpful thing you can say. That <laughs> the least helpful. Just be. Do you think that when people start to outpour that they just want a listening ear? And that is more powerful than giving advice or guidance or suggestion because that may come across as judgmental. What do you mean? So you're coming to outpour about something yeah. and they just want you to listen. Right. Versus, here's what I think you should do. Oh, you mean me as a psychologist or me as a general human? <laughs> general human. Okay. <laughs> general human. No, no, no. As a general human. Do you think okay. humans come to other humans? Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> right. To outpour. <laughs> do they want an ear or do they want here's what i think you should do or here's a suggestion or they just want to listen someone to listen mm, uh not all times more often than not more often than not they want you to listen just listen i think so um i've i've seen that enough times to say pretty confidently and not just because of my work just mm. generally people just want you to listen yeah people call it venting mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and it's a comment i just want to vent okay you know um <laughs> something negative but it's it's the ability to um and that's hard to do. I think people want to respond. We want to have an answer. Yeah. So that becomes your issue. It's yeah. Like, no, it's not about you. They're just venting. Just let them. Um, and, and, but general, just generally, we want someone to listen and say, yo, that sucks. I can't believe that happened. Yeah. Yo, that wickedness star. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Thanks. And then they're okay. They're literally so much happier that someone just listened and didn't offer some form of now other times it could be a i'm seeking counsel i'm seeking you know um motivation guidance leadership yeah. whatever um mentorship but a lot of times we just want to go blur i think it should call that a disclaimer this is a venting session so you can just listen 
or this is an advice session. Okay, then back with the calculator and talk about it. Right. But you don't know. You don't. So you sit down quiet and then the person what advice? I say, not to say, I like, oh, you want to? Okay. But, but this is the thing. Have you ever seen, because um, I've heard it a lot on, it wasn't social media platforms, it might be my field, but a lot of times I've heard partners, because women, you know, uh, romantic relationships, mm-hmm. uh, any intimate relationship, and the partner says, um, do you want, before they even start, advice or listening <laughs> literally before they start and the person is identifies i want listening cool really yeah people can do that yeah man okay, what do you mean cool. i encourage it and he said i can't believe it and you're having a drink with it. i mean what a wretched old so and so and other times i might be like i want a solution all right cool okay, i'm okay, listening cool. differently okay so i and i think in any space it's totally fine to be like well, what would it do pause Tech just creep. Before you continue. Right. <laughs> are we going advice or are we going straight up venting? Okay. Either one is cool. I just need to know where I stand. And now it's not on you if they then say afterwards, but I need advice. No, no. <laughs> you said you wanted to vent. I'm nodding and smiling and yeah. listening. That's it. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> That's funny because I think that that also causes an issue sometimes when people don't give advice mm-hmm. and the process like, so... That's just it. Just listen. Yeah, I thought it was just a time to hear. Oh, yeah. You ask. I highly encourage you to ask. I, anybody. Your friend, your wife, your, I don't know, anybody. Just what do you need? In, in fact, teach it to your children. Mm-hmm. Teach it to kids early. What do you need from daddy right now? Do you need me to listen or do you want me to help you solve it? So that is something. So a friend of mine who's also, uh, she would have killed me, and a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Don't kill me. I apologize. What she did say to me was that... Um, One of the things that she does mm-hmm. is help parents as well. Mm. Because she's realizing that, you know, she does work with the children in schools. Mm-hmm. And then they go back home to a household where your parents have no idea. Mm-hmm. So, like, the example she gave was, you know, the average person, and I, my hand is up, we know what we have four or five emotions. Happy, sad, you know, cry. You know, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, should they teach the kids that they're like, you know, 5,000 emotions and express them differently and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then the kids go back home to their parents and like, yo, what are you talking about? Yeah. You're upset? Are you not upset? Right. And, and it's either or. Yeah. And so I think the, there's a, such an important role of parents, mm-hmm. guardians, whatever you want to call them, recognizing that they need to keep on learning. Yes. And it's well not said. just, I mean, yes, about psychology and how to treat people etc but even something as simple as maths in school maths has changed everything yeah. how you learn to code it and how you learn to code mm-hmm. and so you have to realize that you know if you left school 40 years ago mm-hmm. you have to take the time to learn the new way to count the Absolutely. new way to speak the new way to deal with conflict mm-hmm. it's not just mr i remember in school it was the ruler was called mr pecker it's not mr pecker it's it's no. how do you feel about it are you okay not and they move on. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a different time. Absolutely. It's a different time. I don't think that because, again, you're trying to you know go to work and pay the bills and stuff like that, you don't realize that you have to relearn. Mm-hmm. But if you have to keep learning, if you want to improve upon what your parents gave you, you have to keep on learning. If you want to repeat yeah. the exact same thing because you thought you, you're just so perfect, then fine. Right. But if right. you want to grow, then you have to take time to grow. Yeah. Yeah, and I it's and it's 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 interesting that you say that because a lot of times, parents slash people, but especially mm. parents, uh, 
don't realize the ways in which something didn't work for them until they have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they say that your child will be the, the, the way you, re- you have some realizations about yourself. You're like, oh, no, I really, this is not how I feel. This is not what I want to show my kid. And because and, all of your stuff will come up. All of your things will come out. And, um, and so if a parent isn't willing to confront that, to address it, they are doomed to repeat. That's just the reality. Um, it's really hard. It doesn't mean you need a therapist, but it does mean <laughs> that you need, I'm not saying this is not a yeah, plug, yeah. guys, but it, it is important to be willing to be reflective. I'm so big on self-reflection and, and, and knowing the places where you can change. Um, and you need to change. Like the, the, the stakes are way higher now, you know, now that you have this tiny human that relies on you. Um, I think that also to do what you're asking or suggesting people do mm-hmm. requires people to maybe confront things that they don't feel comfortable confronting. Oh, I'm aware. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think my, so they may be thinking, I think my father, I think my mother, you know, they're, they're perfect, they're angels and blah, 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 blah. But for you now to say, oh, shouting at children isn't the right thing to do. My parents shouted at me. Yep. Oh crap! They weren't as great as I thought they that were. That aha moment is usually not right? so great. <laughs> you know, so bad. Or you know, you know, my parent did everything on their own. <sighs> That's not the right way to do it. There's little yeah. things like that yeah. that I think that people may not be comfortable mm-hmm. facing because you know, in their mind, their father, their mother, their parent, their guardian, their auntie, grandma is. Is it? Is it's the they they raised me, yeah, and I love them for raising me, and yep. they do no wrong. And for you to know, admit that how they did it. Again, it's not right or wrong. They're probably doing the best they could at that time with their resources, with their situation, yep. right? So it's so I think that is it. It's it's you're not putting them down. You're not saying that they were wrong. Exactly. You're just saying, you know, back in nineteen eighty five. You had this, and that's what you did. Mm-hmm. We're in 2023, you know, things have changed, and I'm going to improve upon exactly your methods. Exactly. And being all right with, because um, coming to the realization that my parent wasn't perfect, but I loved them anyway. Right. Because the pendulum can swing the opposite way of my perfect parent is marvelous, and you realize the things that aren't so great, they're horrible, and you start to kind of shake your fist mm-hmm. at them. I can't believe and it's in it, it can both be both can be true. They yeah. did the best that they could. Yeah. I appreciate them for what they did. Um, I you know, I learned so many things. I have come out a particular way. And I also can change a few things. I can pay attention to the child in front of me who is not me. Um, what worked for me won't work for my kid because they're yeah. not me. Reality. Yeah. This idea that it, there it's a child, yeah, it's a different child. <laughs> <laughs> So therefore, it has to be a different approach. Yeah. And both can be true. Now, of course, you run into another layer of challenge when that said former caregiver, you know, is now a grandmother or a granddad or whatever. And then, you know, they, you do it differently. But I never raised you yeah. so, you know, and you're kind of faced with this judgmental, <laughs> um, you know, to your approach. And you're like, well, am I doing it wrong? Because, you know, parenting is terrifying. Or you say, um, that's why I'm like this. No, right, exactly. It's that <laughs> comeback with attitude, and they're like, oh, how could you, you ungrateful wretch? Yeah. And it's, it's like, no, both are true. Um, it's You didn't do it perfectly, and yeah. I did turn out like this, but I'm still great, yeah. and I can do better. 
Yeah. And don't you want better for your yeah. you know, insert grand right. niece, nephew, child here? And usually they get a little bit of grunting, fine, whatever is your child. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> I think that um, a flip side is, and I've seen it, I mean, I've seen it on some TV shows and I've seen it in myself as well, mm. which is, you know, appreciate certain things. Mm-hmm. So you thought that your parent or guardian was being mean or whatever the case is, and know that you're an adult, you're like, I get it. I get it. Like, who, who wants to get up on a Saturday morning to carry you to no classes in the hot sun and wait? Oh, God. I would be upset, too. I would be upset, too. Right? And, and and bless them for doing it. Like, yeah. let's be honest. Them could have make you stay there and not learn nothing. Exactly. <laughs> like... Exactly. So it's now you're like, oh, that's why they're upset. Oh, oh, so when I was at school and I lost my bag and I didn't come out in time and they had to come into the school to help me find my bag, that was my responsibility. That's why they're upset at me. Or oh, get it now. Okay, cool. Or better yet, now that I have to pay school fees, I understand why they're vexed that they had to pay school fees and I was ramping because that's expensive. And I'm going to see. <laughs> Don't! Yo! You don't much money for school. Like, I, you get it. You yeah. better understand. I, I, um, I wasn't very smart in school. And I have um, obtained many Fs in my life. And I remember saying to my father, it's my life. But now I'm like, but it was his school fee. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was his money. And I get yeah. it now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I understand. That's why you can't fail. Okay, I get it. Exactly. Um, so I definitely, <laughs> I definitely think that it goes both ways in mm-hmm. terms of teaching and stuff like that. Um, are you a psychologist for children adults anybody i am a psychologist for adults and couples um i work with children 14 and up okay i don't have the ability to work with little kids and i say ability because it takes a certain heart for kids and i am i will say it uh, very honestly and vulnerably i'm not strong enough because i to see a little child suffer i'm gonna mm -mm. I, I don't. I don't have a skill set, and yeah. I congratulate anybody who has that skill. I do not have it. So I just hear little child so far. Um, <clears throat> I saw on the news two days ago, um, in the states, this some persons went to a garbage like a skip. And found a baby that they heard some crying, and the baby was in a garbage bag there, right? Um, and but it was alive, thank you, it was crying, yeah, right? There for a few hours. So they rolled a CCTV back and they showed the footage of when the mother threw the garbage bag in there. <sighs> now, what was I've seen other footage like that before, and yeah. you see the mother put the baby and she actually crying, she you know, they can see the you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, she threw the bag in there like it was Nothing. garbage. Yeah. And she was a tossed, and I was like, crap. So I was speaking to somebody about it. I was telling them that um, I saw something where you have these like turnstile things where some hospitals or churches back in like, the 1800s, you put the baby, the turnstile outside, mm-hmm. outside the wall, turn it, and the baby's inside. So you can drop the baby off. They still have that. So that's what I was shocked at. Yeah. And so I Googled it and yeah. it still exists. Like Absolutely. a hole in the wall, you yep. put the baby down, you ring the doorbell, you turn the turnstile. Yep. And 
No questions asked, no, no judgment. No questions asked. Yep, and absolutely. I thought that was so, I mean, it's good they have that, right? Have, yeah. While that may not encourage that overall, I appreciate the fact that at least there is a place for persons who, for whatever reason, yeah. believe that they can't be a parent now. Yeah. And therefore, they're giving people in that situation an option. Yeah. What you said, you said it's not the, I don't remember what you said. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what about that? Not concern, but like, what about that? It maybe doesn't sit as well. Hmm? Like the turnstile. You, you said, oh, like, no, no, not the, the turnstile, the persons who want to discard their child. The fact that you okay. want to discard your child, it's unfortunate. Right, okay, yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. unfortunate. Okay. Because I, I, again, I could be totally wrong, but I do believe that sometime down the line, so maybe right now, you're 13 years old, you can't have a child. I agree, but I believe that when you're 25, 26, mm-hmm. you don't think so? Mm-mm. They walk away clean. Mm-hmm. I okay. think that's best. No, no, not think it's best. Do you think they ever regret it? That's what I'm saying. Oh. That's what I'm going with. So I, I, oh, I have. I'm not saying, oh. it's, I'm not saying it's wrong, you know. But oh. No, I'm not saying that. Then I misunderstand. Right, so I'm not saying that. So the situation of you discarding your child is what I think is unfortunate. Because yes, it may be best financially or structurally for you to give that child to somebody. Right. But I, I guess I could be very wrong. Mm-hmm. But I believe that sometime down the line, you're going to sit down. Is the child okay? Is the child alive? Is the child like it's going to play in your mind that you're going to wonder that did, did I do the right thing? And maybe yes, you couldn't support a child then. Probably not, but if you're going to worry, you're going to wonder, you're going to say, you know, did I do the right thing? Where's the child now? Is the child alive? Is these questions are going to play in your mind. Right. And I mean I don't know what the other alternative is, but I'm just saying that Yeah, I mean I I think that there will always Logically speaking, there'll mm-hmm. always be like some form of question, mm-hmm. but also there's you know the other layer that sometimes people genuinely can't should not be parents. Right. Um, whether it is they emotionally cannot mm-hmm. handle it, they're going to do harm. They're in a very harmful situation, mm-hmm. in which they know that you know. I mean, this we're is talking, the best option. Exactly. Like you know, and I'm talking about things like trafficking. I'm talking yeah, about yeah, like yeah, horrific yeah. abuse. Rape, like, they like know this is you're better off honestly dead, which yeah. sounds awful to say, but when you face their reality. I can see how you got there. I mm. might not agree with you, but mm. I can see how you got there, right? Um, but the other side of it is I appreciate, because I think in the States they offer, um, just leave them at the police. Yeah, police station. Uh, the police station yeah. or the fire station. Any one of them. One of them. And um, and the reason I appreciate that is because you know that that system is set up that there is going to be, like it's set up because then you know resources are now available. Right, right, um, right. If you are discarding in that way, that person is so emotionally disconnected for whatever reason mm. that I'm just grateful the child cried and got found. Right. But yeah. um, because that lot, most humans, when like we are, this is now, this is a nature thing. This is a biological mm. thing. We are designed that when we hear a, ch- a crying child, we attend. Like mm. that's how we automatically respond. Mm. If you don't respond like that, something's going on. It doesn't mean you're defective, but it does mean that something is emotionally wrong or like you're like something is so painful and horrific has happened to you that you don't have that right now. Did you see the thing where the guy was on the plane, child is crying and he was like shut the child up and he started crying too. I did not. <laughs> Say that 
if you can't turn the baby down, I won't turn down. <laughs> I digress, continue. <laughs> oh, even. Mm-hmm. Newborn cry is very different yeah. than a toddler, you yeah. know? And so newborn cry, there is a biological response of how do we help? Yeah. How do we help? Um, that's why they were cared for in groups. In terms of tribes, there is a reason for it. Newborn cries are different. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had the child, for all we know, it wasn't even her kid. We're assuming it's the mother. What if it was the aunt? What if it was taken from the mother? Mm. Do you see what I'm yeah, saying? So, yeah, yeah. so there's so many circumstances under which somebody would treat yeah. a newborn in this way. Yeah. It is not a biological response. It's just mm. not. Um, now, there's also the other layer of um, with those resources in place, because you know there's pro that debate, mm. pro life, not pro life, mm. um, pro life, pro choice. Pro choice. Uh, I think what's really important is is being able to support a child once they get here. Mm-hmm. If you are going to be pro-life, I really encourage, then you need to be team, how do we get proper resources out there? Right. For people to be able to properly support, have the ability to care for. Because I have seen, frankly, my work has seen mm-hmm. people who have chosen to keep kids, mm-hmm. and not even from abortion, just even raise them. Because yeah. adoption is a very viable option, guys. Mm-hmm. It's the easy. No. And it should be easier. Mm-hmm. Adoption should not be such a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shouldn't, at the end of the day, and they create so much more challenges. And so you have more hurt, pained people in the world who we can't support. And so the question becomes, okay, if you're pro-life, then let's talk about pro-resources. Let's talk about pro-funding. Let's talk about pro-teaching. Let's talk about pro-everything else that needs to go into raise a functioning human being who needs to go into helping someone who has no resources on their own, has no family support, who has come from horrific abuse that you cannot even fathom mm. to be able to properly raise a child. Because we're not just talking about raising them. Yeah. Got plenty of picking out there that do not have food, do not have resources, are not loved, have never been hugged. You know how damaging that is? They're being raised, but they're not being raised Precisely. efficiently, properly. And so if that's, if that's really the only option out there, then my question becomes is, is that that seems like the best option for you. That can't be. There, there has to be something for the resources that goes behind it. So get really involved in that part of it. So the reason I ask you is because you said 14 up, right? Do you think that there is room or a need for child psychology? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm saying it with a smile because I'm like, I, but I can't do it. No, <laughs> that's yes. fine. That's fine. That's fine. No, I, no I, I'm not thinking you are asking, but I'm thinking myself, yeah. I should, but no. Yes, I asked definitely. because, you know, when I was a kid, there was a psychologist at our school. Um, I remember that very vividly, right? That was in-house? Like, was always at the school or just no, kind of visited? Came, yeah. Visited every now and then. Yeah. Wow. It was an older guy. I think, I really have no idea because I was a kid, obviously, but I think he may have been like a friend of the principal. I just wanted to give back because he wow. was a much older guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember vividly, it was older boys used to go to him because I think maybe we were, you know, problems. the point of the matter is is that um i I think it's important i think it's i think it's important because we're we're all unique Mm -hmm. one two you know our parents are doing their best Mm -hmm. right which may not be the best for us Mm -hmm. and so it's always good to be able to to vent Mm-hmm. To someone who can at least give you a better way of thinking about it and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, is there, based on what you see, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, how do I ask it properly? How do you 
get clients? Do people just come to you naturally or do you so and I ask that I ask that because the real question is how comfortable are people in Jamaica with going to a therapist? Mm. Um word of mouth to ask mm. answer your first question. Um someone heard about and worked with or had mm. experience with. Um occasionally mm. if you're better uh, marketed um, it's just straight up like I'm randomly calling a number and I need help um, and I think that people in Jamaica are becoming much mm -hmm. more comfortable with mental health and psychology and seeking assistance um, when I initially moved here I didn't I honestly didn't know if I could work mm -hmm. um, I I was told yeah it's improving and I'm like mm. I have my doubts because when I was younger it was not it wasn't not existed right and so I always kind of knew I'd have to work away yeah but I was happy when I found out I could work here. Yeah, it's, um, I definitely think it's getting better. It's not where it should be or needs to be. Hopefully right. it keeps on growing. Right. But at the same time, um, I think people are going through stuff. My only question would be whether you're doing it privately or publicly. In the sense that I'm sure there are vast amounts of people who need help who mm. probably can't afford help mm -hmm. and so therefore you know what systems can be in place for those persons where obviously you can still have a living right, yeah. right. but persons can still get help because you know it, it just it goes back to simple caring about your fellow Jamaican there's no value in one person getting help being paid well can survive and your neighbor can't yeah because Agreed. at the end of the day, everyone will be impacted. Yeah. And so if you are getting, if a particular segment of society is getting all the help they can get mentally, and somebody is not, they're going to come and, you know, affect everybody else. And yeah. so we all need help. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it, what a lot of therapists do. I, can, I don't know if I can say a lot. Well, well, what I do, let me speak for myself. Mm. What I do is I offer um, sliding scales. Okay. So based upon your income, we can talk about um, what you were able to pay. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and that's a system that works mm -hmm. really well because it's not so much about, you know, I only charge, I don't know how much, about thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. It's how much do you earn? How much mm -hmm. can you afford? Let's make this happen. Yeah. Um, you don't have to come every week to mm -hmm. therapy um, if you want change. Sorry, if you're really seeking change, it can be helpful to do every other week, if mm -hmm. possible, like if, what I call an acute situation. But if you're in maintenance, then you're like, monthly is fine. Yeah. And it's like a check-in, and this is going on, and I use these skills, because by then you've worked with the person for a little while. Um, but sliding scales, I know, I know of other therapists who do it as well, is mm -hmm. what I meant to say before, but that's something I, I employ, and it's something that I've seen up in different countries, and it's actually worked really well. So more people have help available to them. Should you do like a gym membership? Yeah. That's why you should like a gym membership, yo. We should have a gym membership? Yeah. Oh. As in, you do it like a gym membership. So people pay to go to the gym X amount, and that's huh. why you should do it. Like, when you're speaking, I was like, that's what you should like. A, like, the same way you would take care of your physical health, yeah. you take care of your mental health, like a gym yeah, membership. Yeah, 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 yeah. With a package. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, with this I, package, you get seven sessions. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Interesting. Because, and I thought about it because, um, and I thought about it because persons like me who don't exercise, right, 
the thought of what I hear people pay for the GMC is preposterous. Right. Right. But people do it because they want to get better physically. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As for persons who want help mentally, mm-hmm. you should be the same thing. You pay for the gym. That's fair. Pay for the gym. That's really fair. Do you know what I wish we could get to? As a system, I wish we could get to pay it forward. Explain. So um, when it comes to like um, food, for instance, or coffee, it's easier to do. Like I'm going to pay for the next person's coffee. I'm going to pay for, you know, if someone comes in and they're hungry, you know, this is a pizza joint. I'm going to pay for the next five slices. I wish it was like that with therapy mm. or with any form of mental health care. Like that would be so mm. cool. If I can afford it and it's anonymous. No, I don't care who you are. You have been strong enough to come and seek help. That is an incredibly brave thing to do. You shouldn't worry about if you can pay for it, mm. you know. So someone's just, you know, don't worry. The next three ones are covered. How incredible is that? But I'm a, like I said, I work in the business of hope. So one can hope. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you want to dive into a similar What Next episode, check out the links in the podcast description or head to the whatnextpodcast.com. And remember, make it your mission to make somebody else's day better.